Hello and welcome to the All Karate Podcast. I'm Louis Rossi. Um, bringing you this podcast is, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. Um, here we're going to be talking about everything karate related, really. Um, training stories, Japan, tips and tricks for your training. Um, we'll talk about things that happened to the dojo, maybe some funny things or educational things who knows but to end to end each podcast we're going to be looking to answer questions from listeners which which i think is going to be my, it's going to be my most fun part uh to read questions from listeners beginner questions advanced questions maybe get some questions from people around the world who knows but uh, today's topics are karate in the olympics 2020 we're going to be talking about that first um the location the dates the categories a bit of politics as to uh, how karate got in but also how they got kicked out of the 2024 olympics second we're going to be talking about styles of karate and their organizations so if you're the type of person to open up a video and be like i want to fast forward to the part that i want to watch well we'll be talking about styles of karate and organizations probably around the uh, five minute six minute mark uh, we're going to talk about what style we do, popular organizations, ranks and structure of the organizations, but also like what you get as a member. Um, you know, is it worth it to join an organization? Cause you don't have to, uh, you can open up a dojo without any real certification. Just get your black belt, you know, something about karate. You can, you can pop open a dojo, no problem, but is it beneficial to be a member of a karate organization? And then lastly, closer to the end of the podcast, we're going to be talking about basic karate knowledge for beginners. I've got some questions from my friends, actually, uh, questions from non-karateka uh, that uh, I think are, are questions that I get all the time. Um, beginners walk in for a trial class or introductory lesson, and, and you know, some kids come in, they're shy and timid. Some others want to come in and be a Ninja Turtle on the first lesson. It's uh, common. Very common questions. These these questions I had. It's probably going to be my favorite part. If you, if you want to throw in a question, if you want to contact us, email me uh, at uh, Lewis L O U I S at bmskrati.com. and I will definitely definitely read your question on the next podcast and uh, gladly answer it to the best of my ability. So to get started, we have karate in the Olympics twenty twenty. So for those for those of you who don't know, karate like this is our first karate like ex experience. We we haven't had karate in the Olympics yet. This is the first and unfortunately the only. These Olympics are going to be held in Tokyo, 2020. Uh, Tokyo's split up into two parts. You got the Heritage Zone, which is the northwest part, and then the Tokyo Bay Zone, which is like the south east part and we got a bunch of different like the olympic stadium the tokyo metropolitan gymnasium the yoyogi national stadium the nippon budokan which is like i'm i'm talking we there's a huge list of of stadiums and and parks and stuff where these um different sports are going to be held um so it's in Tokyo. To, to get to Tokyo, I know from Canada is like a 13-hour plane ride. It's it's a long ways away. You gotta be you gotta be dedicated to get there from the west. It's it's a, it's a quite a long, long plane ride. If you're gonna take stops, it could take you like 20, 24 hours. Um, but I'm telling you, it's completely worth it to stay the extra few days or even the extra week 
If you've never been in Japan before, highly recommend going there, getting a JR pass, which is a uh, Japan rail pass, and just traveling around and seeing the sights. It is a beautiful, beautiful country. The dates for karate in the Olympics, I think, are August 6th to August 8th. They got 80 competitors from around the world. Each country uh, is allowed uh, to send two athletes. And the two categories are kata and kumite. I mean, if you've watched Bloodsport, you know what kumite is. So we'll talk about kata first. Kind of not kidding. But um, kata is like our uh, gymnastic routine. But we have a fighting application. Uh, So it's not as... Uh, flowy. Some parts are flowy for sure, but it's like you're fighting an imaginary opponent. Now you have to be highly technical. These, these forms, these katas are not just made up by you just, or your coach. Uh, these are like by the book. You you can't miss a move. Uh, there's a lot of structure to these katas. The way that you perform the techniques, very specific. You gotta be fast. You gotta have accuracy, good focus. You have to be highly athletic. The stances and the movements, especially the jumps, are, are very difficult to, to perform properly. And that's kata. That's actually what I'm most excited to watch. Then you have kumite. So kumite is the um, the fighting. So one versus one. So kata is split up between um, men division and women division. That's it. And then the kumite is split up by, I believe it's three different weight divisions. You got the lightweight class we'll call it the middleweight class and the heavyweight class for men and for women uh and that's pretty much it when it comes to sparring or kumite um there's a lot of criteria as to how we score a point um for example you got to be fast you got to have vigorous application sometimes you do our ki which is your yell but you got to go in and out when you score a point you can't just touch like a game of tag um you have to have a, like a beginning stance you go in the technique has to be perfect with great distance timing accuracy uh and then you got to bounce out and you got to be safe uh but the politics in karate are are is the last thing i want to talk about and this ties into directly into the this point scoring and stuff um the reason i want to talk about politics briefly uh, and and why karate is not in the 2024 olympics is is pretty simple uh you see there are organizations that govern karate around the world um in different style there are different organizations but um in terms of tournaments let's say there are to simplify it 10 organizations each organization they're going to have different scoring criteria for kata and for kumite now the olympic committee i mean it's in japan the olympic committee was like guys karate this is your only chance this is this is in japan this year we're going to be we want we want karate represented in the japan olympics so you know what those 10 organizations got together and they're like you know what fine i'm okay with being more lenient on these rules and i'm okay with following this and that and whatever they figured their stuff out karate olympic committee was like hey you have one big rule set all right you're in (laughs) so it was it was a, a time for celebration for all karate practitioners and senseis, especially dojo owners and coaches around the world. Um, and it started working. Of course, it was like a beta phase, right? Like we had to, we had to patch that. Uh, we had to patch the rule set. We had to add amendments and stuff. And, you know, this kind of doesn't work. Let's change this. But over the course of only a few months, did, the, did those 
10 organizations start saying, you know what, I don't like that rule. Mine is better than yours. And it's gotten to the point now where judges in the same ring are call, are calling points for things that should not be points according to the rule set. And judges who are calling points or, or not calling points that should be points. Um, it's, I mean, it's not right. It's, it's tough. Sometimes I'm watching Instagram. I'm like, whoa, that was a wicked kick or, Hey, that was a great punch. Oh, look at him. Take that other guy down. Wow. Really cool. But then I would see, for example, someone do a, I guess a head kick. And then upon touching the other person's head with their kick, they end up falling. And then the defender punches them and you know, so what happens? Well, there's so, there, there's a lot of criteria for scoring. It's like vigorous application, like distance and timing and, and whatever. One is called zanshin. Zanshin means when you score your point, you got to come back out and you got to be like in a defensive stance. You can't like score and then get pummeled right after. You got to score and come out. It's got to be like controlled. Anyway, some judges are like, or some organizations are like, yeah, 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 I like that. It's Anshin. Everyone's about the Zanshin. Some are like, no, it's totally a game of tag. I mean, if my foot touches your head, and even though I fall, it still should be a point. So there's obviously some some disconnect with the organizations now in this score. Anyway, the Olympic Committee looked at the karate, and they're like, look, enjoy your time in 2020. You're not coming back in 2024. Breakdancing's taking your spot. And I am not joking with that. Breakdancing totally took our spot. So on to our second topic, styles of karate and organizations. Uh, so let's talk about what I do first. I do Shorokan Karate. Uh, I started doing a style called uh, Chitoryu when I was younger. And I uh, kind of transitioned into Shotokan when I opened up my, my, my first dojo. Um, there are a couple popular organizations for Shotokan. I'll talk about those because I'm aware of the other organizations for other styles of karate. By the way, there are like 26 styles of karate. But um, our organizations, our main ones, I guess, are the JKA, the Japan Karate Association, and then the SKIF, which is the Shotokan Karate International Federation. There are others like the JKS and the SKI and stuff, but um, <clears throat> or the ISK. Um, but the JKA was was founded by you know the guy who who founded Shotokan Karate, and then SKIF was like a we'll say like a, a defector, or like the, one of the ninth degree black belts kind of said, hey, you know what, I'm going to open my own thing. Uh, so those are the popular organizations, at least in Canada, uh, that I know. And the ranks and structures of those organizations are kind of like the school boards uh, in Canada. You have like a public board, for example. Um, you have one, you know, top head honcho, and then it starts branching down and they have different responsibilities. So um, we'll talk about the SKIF, for example, uh, one 10th degree black belt. So when my students ask me, hey, how many black belts can you get? Because, you know, you're like fifth. And I go, well, yeah, um, you can get 10. 10's the max. You know, if you look, if you look at some McDojo's, you can see like a self-ordained 11th degree black belt. So that's, it's funny. I could talk, I, you know, I can make another episode on that kind of stuff, but I mean, traditionally, respectively, 10 degrees of black belt. Those are the 10 degree. You could, you can't go higher than that. And in each organization, there is one 10th degree black belt. They're, they're the president, they're the head instructor, they're the dudes who call the shots. Then you have two ninth degree black belts. From my experience, one ninth degree black belt travels the world and the other one stays in their hometown. Uh, which, for karate, it would be 
Japan. Um, now, the ninth degree black, the ninth degree black belt in Japan would teach their students there, and the ninth degree black belt who travels the world um, would go to all the eighth degree black belts who are in charge of running their own countries. And just make sure that they're, you know, paying their dues and teaching the right stuff and following the rules. Um, now, <clears throat> everything below that, 765, if you want to get your next degree of black belt, of course, there are certain things you have to check off your list. But um, once you do, you can get that 8th degree black belt to sign off on your certificate. And if you're part of an organization, the ninth or 10th degree black belts can also sign off on your certificate. And you can order your certificates from Japan. And they're stamped. Like, they're stamped. They're recorded. You are an official black belt. Now, does that mean if you're not under an organization, you get your black belt that's not stamped from like a committee in Japan that you're not an official black belt? I don't think so. That's not true. We have a lot of great practitioners who don't follow the whole organization thing. But at the same time, you don't have to be part of an organization to open up a dojo. So you can just be a black belt and watch some YouTube videos on teaching and then open up a dojo. There are no rules saying you can't. So, of course, like I say with everybody, this is this would have been a great beginner question to talk about today. One of them is, um, so uh, can anyone open up a dojo? Yeah, totally, totally. So what's the difference between your dojo and the next person, next person? My answer is always, you have to find an instructor that you can connect with, that you like, and will make your experience fun and exciting. Um, if you find a dojo and the sensei's, you know, not making you love life every time you go to the dojo, so stop going. Find another dojo. If you find one where the instructor really connects with you and and you can you can understand them and and you're excited going and you know, you know when you're at home you're like you know I really got to go to the dojo. That's that's a dojo you got to stay at, and uh, you you can tell you can tell when when someone's an experienced practitioner, and you can tell when they love what they do, especially when they love being a sensei. Um, you can tell it, it, they, they resonate Their Their teaching makes you excited and, and love to learn what you are learning. So I, I would say what, what you get when you're a member of an organization, you get structure. Um, you get not only certificates when you're a black belt, but you get, you get structure, you get instructors from all levels, um, who have a lot of experience, guaranteed experience in teaching and training, um, above you that you can, you can look to for, you know, you can ask your questions or, um, you know, if you want to perform a kata properly, you know, you're going to get the right answers from these people. So those are the benefits of joining an organization. Um, at the same time, you don't have to be part of an organization. There's a lot of a lot of resources on YouTube and stuff that you could follow. So uh, in terms of styles of karate and organizations, I mean, if I were to make a recommendation um, as to what organization to join, I'd say type in your country, type in karate organization, and you'll find a couple top ones. JKA is in, I think, 100 and, 115, 116 countries or something like that. Very, very big. Great organization. SKIF phenomenal organization, great instructors. That's what we're a part of. And, uh, we're, we're very happy about it. <clears throat> so now moving on to the last portion, uh, which is, I think my, my most fun portion of the, of the podcast, this is basic karate knowledge for beginners. Now these questions are from, they're actually from my friends. I asked, Hey, if you were a beginner and you walked into a karate school, what would you ask? And the first question I got, which is probably 
one of the top three questions I get from beginners is, why are there color belts? So more specifically, the question was, why do we start at white belt? Um, so I guess the story that I like telling the most to students who ask this question is, and, and there's, there's truth behind it. So when karate, I'm going to say when martial arts first started, there was like a white belt and then there was a black belt just to distinguish who the, the students and the instructors were. But then at the same time, like judo, when the, when the dude who created judo created judo, he's like, you know, black belt's a great goal, but it takes years and years and years and years. We have to have some kind of steps to keep our students motivated. You know what? Let's, let's add some colors. Um, white, white is great. It's like a fresh canvas. And as your belt gets dirtier and dirtier and dirtier, it gets closer to black. So let's add some lighter colors in the beginning and some darker colors at the end. And then that's it. We'll call it quits. Never wash your belt is one of those, uh, karate rules that, uh, actually we follow till today. Don't wash your belt. Why the real, real reason why you shouldn't wash your belts is it shrinks. It's made out of hundred percent cotton. And sometimes you have, um, different materials inside that don't take well to, uh, to being washed. So it, it actually ruins the belt. But the, the fun thing is you can say, you know, the samurai, um, respected their swords the same way karate people should, um, respect their belts. So, I mean, when you take it off, you hang it up properly and stuff like that. Don't wash it. You know, don't put it through a tumble dry, you know, put it where it's supposed to be. Wash your uniform, you know, cause that's where your sweat gets absorbed and you can get some nasty BO and stuff like that. If you're, uh, if you're training hard, right. But, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't wash your belt. Um, the story is it gets dirtier and dirtier and the colors get darker and darker as it goes on. I've heard like the colors are based on the, um, beginning growth and wilting death of like a flower or a plant. So you get the yellows and oranges and then the, the solid greens. Then you get like the, the browns and the purples, mostly browns, and then and then black as it wilts. It kind of follows the, the course of like a, a flower's life or a plant's life, which I thought is a pretty interesting story. But why start at white belt? Fret like a fresh canvas. And uh, the belts just get dirtier and dirtier. Um, now, <clears throat> as time went on, uh, more belt colors have been added. Um, they've learned that uh, you know the gratification of of, of hitting your goals um, is is great, and it's great for retention to keep students going. If you don't give a student a belt for like a year, odds are they're going to quit. They're going to get discouraged. So, schools have not only a color belt system but also a striping system. So, you get um, like electrical tape around your belt to signify that you're progressing within uh, that belt color. So it's not instant gratification. You still got to work for them. Like maybe you get a stripe a month, but it's better than the only thing you get as a belt every six months or year. So it's changed quite a lot, especially in the West in the last few years. Next question I got was, um, what does my first karate class look like? Or what will it look like? It, the question's great. Um, a lot of people are, are timid and shy when they come into a karate school and they take a look and it, it's intimidating. You take a look into the class and you see a bunch of brown and black belts training and they're kicking and they're, they're yelling and they're throwing each other. That's not a beginner class. What you should expect in a, in a first class, uh, usually the classes are structured into three segments. First, you have your warm up. A little bit of running, some jumping jacks, 
especially stretching. Flexibility training is very important in karate. Uh, I would say as important as uh, cardiovascular uh, strength and um, athleticism. I'm talking about muscular strength and and um, endurance. Uh, so the first, I would say, 10 to 15 minutes is mostly stretching and strengthening. Um, then the second portion of the class is basics. So we teach you how to block, how to kick, how to punch, how to strike, how to throw, how to break fall. Um, whatever the curriculum for the day is, that's what we would break down. And then for the last little portion, we mostly go over curriculum. Now, curriculum um, in each martial arts studio is going to be different. In karate, for example, we have kata, uh, we have self-defense, uh, we have kumite, sparring, and they all kind of have their own, you know, by the book, textbook, things that you have to learn. Uh, and every belt that you go up, you have to, you're graded on different, cur different curriculum sets. For example, from white belt to yellow belt, you need to learn how to do your first kata, which is heian shoden. And then you learn a couple self-defense moves. You get tested on your break falls. You get tested on your stances and your punches and your kicks. Accuracy, timing, speed, uh, the depth of your stance, the width of your stances. Take a look at how your muscle memory has been building, all that stuff. So first karate class, quick warm-up, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a little bit of strengthening and stretching. Then you got some basics. Then you got final curriculum and then your bow out. So uh, nothing to be intimidated with as you go up, of course, more things are thrown into to the game. Next question I got is, how many times a week should I train or should I practice on my own time? So training per week is a pretty easy answer. You should train two to three times a week, uh, two times minimum per week. One time is not enough for retention uh, values, but three times a week is great. Four times a week is, I'm not gonna say it's pushing, I'm gonna say it's good. It's good. But you also need to have your muscles recuperate, especially if you're over, I'm going to say 25, maybe 30 years old. Three times a week is fantastic. Let your body recover and then come back. Uh, that's every every second day or whatever else it is. If you're young, if you if you if you have a, a kid, or if you're, you know, 10 years old, 15 years old, train every day. Why not? Keep yourself busy. If you're not doing karate, honestly, do something else. You should always be doing something. <laughs> Seven days a week, you should be active. One hour a day at least. Play some soccer, play some sports. If you want to do karate, there's no reason why you should limit it. The more, the merrier. Should I practice on my own time is a more tricky question. But the, I guess the short answer is yes, you should practice on your own time. But be very careful. Make sure you're practicing properly. The, the famous saying is practice makes perfect. Uh, someone called that book kiss and they're right um, because only perfect practice makes perfect. So if you practice wrong enough to build muscle memory, then you got a bad habit. So you're going to be in some trouble. Second last question we got here is what are the top three things I will realize after one year of karate? Well, one is your overall health is going to be much, much better better focus. Um, your attitude's going to change because you're going to feel more confident about yourself. Um, the second thing you're going to realize is um, not only overall fitness, but overall mental health. Um, you're going to be able to focus better. Uh, you'll be able to uh, calculate faster. Um, just your, your mind clears up. And stress levels. 
stress stress levels, especially with with adults who start karate, uh, drop significantly. Um, every single adult student that I've had uh, who's joined karate has joined for two reasons: fitness and self defense. Uh, but then after a year, hey, I lost a little bit of weight. I'm feeling good about myself. My confidence is up. Um, I'm thinking clearer. I can even see better. You know, a lot of a lot of different things happen happen to adults who, uh, you know, especially haven't been um, physically active in in years, right? Um, but the top three things I'm going to say are uh, athletic ability. I'm going to say overall health, and then stress levels stress levels for sure drop quite a lot. And the last question I got is, um, can you be physically disabled or, um, what is, can you be physically disabled and still train and become a black belt? So yeah, Tokyo 2020 Olympics, there's, uh, you know, a whole division, Paralympic division. Um, personal story I'll say here is, well, first I'll quickly answer the question and say, yes, absolutely. Uh, you can still train in karate, even if you're in a wheelchair. Absolutely. If you have a cane, if whatever. Um, th but the whole Paralympic division you have, I think, uh, um, four five, six, I, you know what? I didn't look that up, but there are a ton of divisions, uh, for, uh, the Paralympic divisions, uh, you can absolutely train and become a black belt. I've had students in the past who have come in and they said, you know what, I can't, I can't swim. I can't play soccer. I can't, I can't do this and that. Can I join karate? And they were surprised to hear, yeah, absolutely you can. So, uh, one of the schools that I used to train at, uh, downtown in Toronto, they had a student who was in a wheelchair would come in every day, um, roll herself in and just kick butt in class. The, some some of the strongest karate moves I've ever seen. Of course, the katas would have to be changed. Uh, instead of doing stances, she would turn to the direction of the next move, perform her move with her arms, and then roll forward, second move, where the stance would be, perform the second move, and then turn to where the third move would be. You can perform the same form without stances. That's fine. I've had another student who uh, came in with uh, two canes, I think one in each hand, and uh, which actually then in turn, uh, it changed to one cane. And then all of a sudden he started just walking into class. It took years, but his leg strength developed quite surprisingly. And uh, from coming in in a wheelchair, this is one of my favorite stories, from coming in in a wheelchair, then changed to canes and then changed to no canes and can now perform kata and routines walking on his own, which he was never able to do before karate. Can the physically disabled still train? Absolutely, you can. And i that's what I love to see the most. Um, I look forward to seeing the Olympics 2020. And those were fantastic questions. I thank you all for listening to this first podcast. Again, if you have any questions, you can throw it at me. Again, lewis at bmskarate.com. That's L-O-U-I-S at bmskarate.com. And I look forward to our next podcast episode. We're probably going to be doing this every week. So stay tuned. I look forward to it. See you next time.